so why not why not take a crazy look why not why not at hillary duff's books in cinderella stories you'll hear us a lot so why not why not why not take a crazy look why not read hillary duff's books yeah hey Hello and welcome to Cinderella Stories with a Z. My name is Dan. I'm Al. What's up? And we're <laughs> reading the novels of actor Hilary Duff. They're not Still good. not sure why. They're uh, not Do you have good. an answer this week, Al, for why we're doing this? They're, no, I really don't. I guess just it's what I'm committed to, so I have to just do it until I die. I think I have a real answer today. All right, normally I just say, I don't know why, and it's kind of like a bit, but I think there is a reason. I think I've had... A, uh, I feel a connection to Hilary Duff, and I can't explain it. And I hope that I rediscover why I'm drawn to Hilary Duff as a figure, as an actor, and apparently as a novelist, too. Damn, that's deep. <laughs> that's really deep. It sounds deep. That's real deep. <laughs> it's deeper than this book. Uh, a, a deeper truth, you could say. Whoa, a And Alyssa truth. Grande. Alyssa. Well, I'll talk about what that means later. <laughs> We're starting with the 2010 New York Times bestseller from Shimon and Suster, called Elixir. On this episode, we're talking about chapter three, but before we go on, we have our first guest today. Um, this is Serena. Yes, welcome. Hey, besties. What's up? So you have not read any other chapter than chapter three, That's correct? correct. I did not even read the back of the book before jumping into chapter three. <laughs> yes, that's commitment, and we appreciate that. <laughs> Commit to the bit. We love it. Awesome. So I'm going to summarize chapter three. Uh, this will not talk about any other things from the other chapters. And then after I summarize, I'm going to ask you, Serena, um, what do you think happens before this chapter? Okay. Uh, then we can go into the more analysis that does dive into some of those details and some of those relationships. All right. Okay. So in chapter three, uh, here's what I have written down. So Clea is freaking out, but needs to sleep. Why? Uh, doesn't really, isn't really clear. She falls asleep and has a super cliche 20, like 1920s Chicago speakeasy where she's like this lounge singer. And she's married to this, I want to call him a gumbo. That's not a word to describe someone, but I'm going to go for it. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, and she's having an affair with the dude from the pictures uh, that she took earlier in the story. Uh, so he's the piano player in this story. It's really weird. Uh, she says some weird classes shit about the housekeeper when she wakes up and the housekeeper is like right about things oh, that part and she's was superstitious. So weird. Oh my god. <laughs> We're gonna get to that we so got to eat the rich section for sure. Uh, then she uh, goes back to sleep and she still like hates the dreams and can't get away from them. Um, and so she like goes and plays board games with her uh, her hired friend Ben at the local diner. Uh, and then she comes back to dreaming and starts to like it. I guess the Stockholm syndrome. I don't know exactly, but she craves the dreams, finds any excuse to dream, um, and finds herself lost in it. Where she is four different women consistently, um, and the guy from the pictures is in all of them, uh, and he has very strong eyebrows. Uh, he is uh, kind of a broken nose, and he has very deep, soulful eyes, uh, and and also a tattoo of an iris. Those are the only physical descriptions of this man and a top hat he has a top hat in the last part you forgot the top I, hat it's abraham I'm, fucking lincoln i have theories we'll, we'll, we'll grade that outfit we get to fashion check just you wait um anyway that's what i got for chapter three summary anything to add there al um nothing other than the top hat the top hat is important <laughs> and you forgot about it and 
<laughs> an oversight. Uh, Sarita, anything to add for that summary, or did I sum it up? Um, I think that covers it. She she meets with her her friend, and then she meets with her other friend. Oh, and at the end, she tells she tells Raina about it. We'll talk about Raina's history there in a little bit, uh, and then tells Ben for whatever reason. Uh, that's it. That's the chapter. Um, I didn't even get hat. to that part. I turned it off before then. It was too much. I was like, I can't, man, I need a breather. I don't think I, I probably could have guessed the end though. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so that's what chapter is. Um, Serena, do you have any burning questions about this book based on reading this chapter out of context? Yeah. So I was taking notes as I was reading and by notes, I mean, half finished questions in my notes app on my phone. So the first one is cribbage board question mark. What is cribbage? Yeah. Do we want to talk about that? What the fuck is that? cribbage? Uh, I wish I knew what cribbage was. I'm a big board games fan, but I have no clue. Okay. Wow. I was hoping y'all would. Okay. I didn't know cribbage. if it, I was just ignorant right and didn't know what it was or if this is yeah. like a, oh, I thought shit. it was just stupid Obscure or something. Thing. Yeah. It's, it's like wooden. It's a wood board and there are pegs to go along this track and there are cards involved. That doesn't sound fun. This sounds <laughs> no, it this doesn't. looks so boring. <laughs> yeah, so she plays cribbage with Ben. This looks like, like um, she sucks so much. Oh my god. Okay, other question. Who would play this? Who is Ben? Is that just her friend? <laughs> I could write a novel about who Ben is. Oh, Allie, gosh. you wanna take this one? Uh Ben is her hired himbo, except he's 20 and has a PhD. Okay. And okay, that does not cause... stand for pretty huge dick. It stands for <laughs> <laughs> it stands for the actual meaning of PhD. I mean, it who could. has a PhD at twenty? That's true, but I oh, feel like, like a twenty-year-old PhD when he was eighteen. Oh yeah, but have. like a twenty-year-old boy has definitely told me at some point when I was a twenty-year-old, whatever. Uh, yeah, I have a PhD, a pretty huge dick. So I feel like that could be <laughs> the hidden meaning all along. Okay, because that's my question, head now. Another question I had was Ben is adjunct professor? Question mark. How old is he? Because I didn't know if he was supposed to be like seventeen or something. I had the same question, sir. I, I wrote the too. same question yeah. in okay. my copy of the book. Okay, because that is that should not be possible. It should not. This is they clearly wrote an older character and de-aged him. <laughs> yeah. Because it's creepy to write a romance between a 17-year-old and anyone, honestly, I think a 20-year-old 20 20 as well. weird, yeah. Um, I think he was written older, and they never fixed it. Never fixed it, for sure. <laughs> okay. Yikes. <laughs> okay. Uh, because come out, this did come out around this time of, of Fifty Shades of Grey, I should add. Okay, so another thing I had written is, what year is this? Because I thought... Like reading it, Devo? I got extreme like two thousand like six to two thousand eight vibes, and then you said two thousand ten, exactly. right? Yeah. That seems way too recent. This like, came I out know... in two thousand ten, but as a writer, sometimes it takes years, and I think there are a lot of traces to early two thousands culture in this. Very strong two thousand three vibes from this. Because I know two thousand ten was what eleven years ago. That still feels way too recent for like just the vibe that this, the energy that this chapter yeah, that I read has. I agree. Okay. Um, if we're just going through the half formulated questions in my phone, in my notes app, next question is, is she a celebrity child? Or is she just like, <laughs> she's the 1%. <laughs> so her dad 
uh, as you may have gathered, was this big, renowned heart oh, surgeon like dude, missing or owner something? of Globotech. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But so now we know. Now we know profession. what happened it's to him. A, he's the Scientology guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then the mom, David Miscavige. Is a, that's who he is. Yeah, that's who he is. That explains why he's missing. Yeah. Uh, he, he's David Miscavige's <laughs> wife. wife is Where missing. is she? Where is she? Uh, so the other thing I should add is the mom is a senator. Uh, that wasn't really spelled out in the chapter, was it? Okay, no, I don't think I mentioned that. It wasn't. Uh, and then she is actually a hired professional photojournalist. Yeah. And <laughs> has had this job going around the world since she was 15 years old. And that's when they hired Ben when he was 18 years old. Okay, wait, so we didn't actually cover this. She hired Ben to be her friend? Is that what... Yeah, basically. Okay, I mean, well, her parents did. The parents, the parents yeah. chose it. The parents, the parents bought did. her okay. a boyfriend, basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah, go off. <laughs> also, they kind of bought Raina, too. Yeah. Want to hear about Raina's backstory? Yeah, they, they own this her good, family. This is a good recap for our listeners who may have forgotten the last two episodes. Yeah, this is, I need this. I try to forget, too. <laughs> Would you like to take, like, take this one out? Oh, man. How was Raina hired, too? Yeah, uh, so her mother is the live-in equine professional at their estate. And so, uh, yeah. Okay. Weird vibes there. Weird vibes. A live-in horse girl and then the mom and Raina's mom are pregnant at the same time. Okay. And they were holding hands Mills on the way to the hand hospital. hand-holding. <laughs> and they live on the property. Raina lives on her estate. Oh, see, I didn't realize that. And like, yeah, yes. Is this like the OC where she lives in like the pool? House yes, it's something? exactly like the OC. She, <laughs> they live in the pool house. It's fucked up. Okay. I hate it. Okay. I'm supposed yeah. to sympathize with this bitch. Who's part of the 1%. No, eat the fucking rich. On that note, let's roll her right into eat the rich. Shall we? Yeah, okay, there's a lot here. This has big wasp energy. I would just like to talk about that. The the housekeeper, Peary, and how they... T- oh, my God. Oh God. The bad accent in the audiobook. Yeah, the question... It's horrible. I, the next it's so offensive. Is, who is Peary? So she's just, like... Was she, like, a Hungarian, like, woman that cleans she the house? She was explained yes. very offhandedly that she's the housekeeper. Okay. That's all we learned in the previous chapter. Okay. Yeah, so I've got a segment here that really made me angry. Okay. The segment is, um, oh shit. I lost it. I lost it too. I couldn't stand the whole. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Since dad's death, I try not to spend a lot of time around Peary. It sounds, it sounds absurd to say, but she seemed to be taking it harder than any of us. Her head bowed whenever she touched anything of his, her eyes welled with tears and the house reverberated with her heavy sighs. It made me angry sometimes, the way she was allowed to indulge in mourning when the rest of us had to move on. Most of the time, I ignored it, though. <laughs> I just kept busy and out of her way. I hate this bitch so much. And then it comes up later when Peary just is trying to help. She comes oh in God. with her old adage wisdom of superstitions, and she's right. She's so okay. right. She's so right. And uh, at the end, she's like leaving the house to go play cribbage with Ben. And she said, I saw Peary appear on the threshold, tossing a small cup of water out after me. That one's pretty good. So luck would flow like water in my direction. Oh my God. It's so offensive. It's horrible. (laughs) Rip. 
who treats her housekeeper like that? Like this woman basically kind of raised you more than your own mother did, apparently. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. You hate her just because she misses your dad, too. What a B word. And like, it's, a, I guess, a physical reminder of losing your dad. But like, regardless... What a piece of trash this protagonist is. She sucks so much. Oh, my God. In the same breath, she said, oh, by the way, she replied madness to Peary's uh, thing about water, which, again, she's right. Um, said, mom had offered to buy me a new car for my last birthday. Oh, my God. This thing. Holy shit. <laughs> but I wouldn't give up on my Ford Bronco. My Ford Bronco. <laughs> which I got from saving up my earnings until I could afford the ancient beauty. How much Jeez. is she earning? Oh my God. Uh, every shiny rental I drove and like, bitch. I hate her okay. so much. She's basically like, I'm not other like other girls. I have a job only for fun. <laughs> she's she's going to write an article in a few years saying, I'm 22. I just bought a house. Here's how Girl I did boss. it. Girl boss. Girl boss. Yeah, it's absurd. All of her money comes from her rich family, period. And she, she Okay, I will give her some credit here. Later in the chapter, she does like, acknowledge nepotism for a second. For a second. For it's a really brief. Second. It's very brief. <laughs> uh, any re eat the rich sections for you, Serene? Any things popped out as, as absurdly rich? Um, I kind of want to just parasite them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, me too. Let's fucking go. <laughs> oh, about how, like, her dad funded all these studies. Oh, my God. No. David Miscavige. Of Fountain of Youth. David Miscavige. Yes, Scientology. Dad, David Miscavige. Global reach is just Scientology. Daddy Miscavige. <laughs> Whoa. Yes. <laughs> also, I just want to say, so one thing I skipped over was she explained what happened to her dad, which had never been explained in previous chapters, just that he, his body was never found. All right. Yeah. And he went I have to, a like, theory. He went to Brazil or something, right? And that's where she yes. wants to go for the next um, job or whatever. Yes, whatever. Okay. Heart surgery stuff. And then she said a bunch of the uh, the narrator says really, really racist things about uh, the favelas. Oh, my God. Oh, that was horrible, too. What the fuck is this book? <laughs> uh, quote, had there been drama or violence? Sure. But that was a way of life in the favelas. Oh, God. The poorest parts of Rio. Jesus. But I have a theory, guys. I'm going to run it by you. I think the dad is alive. I think the dad as well. I think the dad went on a bender and is now living with a secret second family that he's had all this time. Whoa, that happened to me in real life. <laughs> yeah, my dad has a, a second family. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I really don't care. I don't have a relationship with my father, so you can laugh. It's really funny. <laughs> We're in slack jawed awe. <laughs> Just a little known fact about me. Reveal. That's that's a hell of a reveal. <laughs> so seeing as how you have more personal experience than I do with, with this concept, what do you think of this theory? Um, I think it could be true, but I think there's more obvious allusions to Scientology. Like maybe <laughs> there's something about the, the, the machines that measure how many ghosts are in your blood or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So do you think the second family is more into the the the, the folk fake yeah. religion he's really into? It's definitely like a cult vibe, right? So like his second family is like the head family of the cult and he's the leader. Global reach. <laughs> Global reach. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like Scientology, doesn't it? Yeah. It's the same vibe. It's just a fancy MLM. <laughs> God, I even wrote down secret second family in my notes. Secret second family. 
Uh, looking for any other sections about how rich they are. I mark those with green in my in my book. Oh, color coding. I just pick my favorite color every time. <laughs> that I write in my notebook that says, don't disturb me when I'm listening to Hillary Duff. <laughs> I think that's it for the rich, eat the rich section. Cue the music. I'm ready to talk about um, fashion check. Oh yeah. Only you would think that you could hide that powder blue puffy sleeve. It's kind of a peasant dress, but it might just be a baggy disaster of questionable fiber content that you wore to the spring dance. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run down the different outfits described in this chapter. I'm going to ask you simply to give your feedback on it and give it a grade, give it a rating. Okay. Fashion check. And then it's going to play the clip. Uh, Lizzie McGuire, your outfit <laughs> repeater. Lizzie McGuire, you are an outfit repeater. Okay, so the first uh, outfit described is on page 55 for those of you following along oh, at home. Oh, yes, wait, hold on. Um, let me get, don't do let that. Me get caught up. It <clears> says, <throat> I stood by the piano in my fringe dress and Iris charm necklace shimmying along with me. That's all the description <laughs> we have for outfit. That's it. That's all you get. Uh, any, any thoughts on, on this outfit? 10 out of 10, woodwear. Yeah, sounds hot. That sounds great. I give it, I give it also, I give it an A. That's great. Um, the next outfit is later on, uh, Eddie, the, the, the mob boss, Al Capone type guy. <laughs> Motherfucking Eddie. Eddie, uh, quotes, cigar in his mouth, his suit strained over his gut. Again, hot, woodwear, 10 out of 10. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I give I give that an A because it's got so much personality baked into it. You know exactly the kind of guy yeah. this is. This guy rules. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Then, uh, then, and then I'm so upset. Okay. This entire fucking chapter. I just want to know what the mystery man is wearing. And we never get a single description of what he's wearing. At any point, except apparently the top, for a top hat. hat. I'm telling you, she's fucking Abraham Lincoln at the end of the chapter. <laughs> he's at the play where he gets shot. Wait, he gets shot? I don't remember this. Abraham, Abraham Lincoln? Lincoln? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, he got shot. <laughs> Didn't you teach history? <laughs> Six separatists. Um, next fashion check I have is oh, it's actually about him because at some point she does describe one thing he wears besides the the top hat apparently. Um, says his chap his, uh, his chest was stamped with a small tattoo dot 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 a tattoo in the shape of an iris. Whoa. thoughts sounds fire. Next <laughs> tattoo idea inspired. I'll tell I can tell people it was inspired by this novel. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. And that's it for fashion check. I'm so upset that, that it's so few and far between this chapter. Except for the again, the top hat, which I I can't believe I missed the top hat. The top hat was the the thing that stuck out to me. Was it one of the dreams? I yeah, it wasn't one of the dreams. By the way, I feel like both of the dreams kind of have the same vibe as that one episode of Broad City where like Abby gets really drunk and she turns into Val the lounge singer. She's like singing in the basement of this club. I don't and she's like sort of good, but not really. It's great. Oh my goodness. Same, same energy. What I loved about the dreams and wanted to bring up is that they're so like heavy on the dialogue 
because I know when I have dreams, I just have vague outlines of like ambiguous events that happened. And these dreams are just like, I said this word for word, then he said this word for word. And it's like full entire pages and pages of dialogue. And um, that's kind of bonkers to me. Yeah, my dreams are like the sky is orange and then there's like two hamsters skateboarding through the air. So (laughs) I just think like the whole narrative aspect of it is even impressive. I have very narrative dreams. That's wild. Like I I have very through lines of a plot. I have recurring characters, arcs, whatever. I I don't know about exact dialogue because I think that it's more, you know, the communication is an abstract concept that then like, you basically like I communicated to them. Third eye. Yeah. Telepathy. Right. I had a very fun dream last night. It was fantastic. And it was because I was comfy and had dogs helping with me. It's very nice. Sounds lit. Speaking of of dreams real quick, because I do have a question about that. But before I want to talk about the movies, the movies, the best part of this entire chapter slash the worst part is when she's having that cliche 1920s dream. Okay, love it. Love it so much. And it's campy. It's uh, fun. And they're they're, they're in the. Yeah, it's so campy. She's in the speakeasy. I lost my bookmark. They're in the speakeasy and then hanging out with Eddie with his cigar in his gut. And then Eddie's boy, Richie, burst in. Boss! He cried just before he could finish. He kind of looked between the piano player and me. What is it? Eddie roared. Sorry, boss. It's a raid. (laughs) Oh my god, this is the best part of the book. This is the only good part of this book. And then they do the raid, and then she runs off the piano player, and um, I'd like to to do my own version of this. Uh, By the way, Serena, this is page 57. Yeah, give me a page. Give me a page. I'd like to invite you to, to join me in this reading if you would like to voice Clea for this. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> or sorry uh, uh what's her name delia oh that was rough so you're gonna can you do the inner monologue and also the outward dialogue of delia and i'll just do the dialogue of, of the piano player yeah sure all right ready i'm gonna start yeah go ahead it kills me to see you with him delia he said pulling away just enough to pierce me with his soulful eyes run away with me we'll go to hollywood you've always wanted to get into movies i blushed and looked away Everyone wants to get into movies. You're not everyone. You're talented. But it's more than that. People can't take their eyes off you when you perform. I perform in a bar the size of a closet. There's nowhere else to look. He gently lifted my chin so our eyes met. I wish you could see yourself the way I see you. You have no idea how special you are. You have everything you ever dreamed of. We both can. Wow. And... What a scene. Wait, you didn't get to the best part where he calls her the wrong name. <laughs> That's the best part. Piano players are such fuckboys. Such fuckboys. <laughs> He's like, Olivia. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Okay. I could never leave, I said. Eddie would kill me if I did. You don't think I'd protect you? I'd die for you, Olivia. It was a slap, and I backed away. Olivia? Uh, D- Delia. He backpedaled. He reached for me, but I shook away. Incredible. Oh, that's so me. It's not the first time that's happened. What is she? Your wife? My wife. It's not the first time. <laughs> A shadow crossed the angles of his face before he answered. No, no, no. She's not. I told you what happened to her. It was just. His thick eyebrows furrowed as he tried to find the words, but he couldn't. It was a long time ago. I'm so sorry. Delia, please just look at me. <laughs> Ooh. Incredible. Juicy drama. Oh, man. Incredible. Juicy, juicy. 
Anyway, that is fun. I just want to, I actually did want to read that out loud. So thank you, Fresh, for indulging me. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes. yes. Fuckboy piano players, man. They're not worth it. Uh, also, I, I drew the... Because based on the description we have of this man, I don't know about you, but what do you imagine? Who do you imagine when you read about this mystery man? Um, I picture a plume of smoke. And it sort of has like dark hair and dark eyebrows and like no other distinguishing features. Yeah, that's valid. Okay, wait. So I don't, I don't think I actually guessed what is like actually happening is she's just like taking pictures oh. and there's this random man that appears in them is that that's what i assumed yes okay yes is that that's it? it exactly yes okay what's funny is that you missed two chapters but like about one page of plot because everything was kind of rehashed in this okay. chapter in really weird ways good 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 okay the first two chapters were fucking useless this is the first chapter where stuff actually happens and it's just dreams so nothing happens in the real world or or do they Oh, well, she's in her Ford Bronco in the real world. Remember, <laughs> she's cosplaying a poor kid so she can be cool and play cribbage <laughs> with her hired himbo, but not a himbo boyfriend with a PhD. God, and her TiVo. And TiVo. Alyssa Grande, uh, great value brand, Ariana Grande. Oh yeah, so I, I drew him, by the way. This is my drawing of him. Because all we get is the eyebrows, <laughs> yeah. the eyes, and the nose. Like the That's all we have ever gotten described. It's just the glasses. <laughs> that, that's what I... I actually am imagining, to be honest, I am imagining Edward Cullen. Like, this is clear Edward Cullen influence on this character. Take that back, sir. Take it back. You know what? I will say... I will say... What I will say about this book is that it shares with Twilight is it does really have, like, a monster fucker energy to it. Yeah. Like, especially in those scenes where she's like... I was just trying to make him attractive so I wouldn't be scared, but now I'm attracted yeah. and scared and whatever. And I it's will like, say oh, that there, okay. yeah, the same thing that I think makes Twilight like appealing is that things are just like sensually charged that like don't need to be sensually charged. And that's why I think it's like fun for like young girls to read. Cause I know if I read this when I was like 11, I'd be like, wait, this is actually kind of good. And it'd be my like guilty pleasure. Um, oh yeah same yeah fully same <clears throat> so i'd be vibing with this i can't even pretend like it's i'd be like tell me more about <laughs> <laughs> i i really do think if i read this when i was like at the same time i was reading twilight i'd be like yeah these are both good books um so i can't even like hate on it for that i never read twilight i thought it was really boring but i respect it and i really like the movies oh do you want to say lot. that to um the literal Team Edward blanket I have that I have underneath my yes. right now. Yes! <laughs> yes! I love that so much. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> the reason I, the reason we have you as a guest, uh, Serena, I guess we should talk about this now, is uh, our conversation sparked the idea for this. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know how it came into this, but basically we both had a, had a discussion together where we realized that Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray, the two actors of a Cinderella story, are both novelists. And how funny would it be if we started a book club of just these books? Yeah, well, because I think it started, started because I wanted to do a full movie night month of just iterations of Cinderella story. And then we got to talking about Chad right. Michael Murray. Yes. And then I guess that's the segue. Um, and that's what happened. Yeah, how much did she have to do with this? That's what we're going to talk about. That's exactly okay. what we're going to talk about because I have Zero a percent of none. <laughs> Yeah. I have a note here of what I think she did not write. Okay. 
There's one line in here where she mentions Freud after comparing her mystery man to her dad. <laughs> yes. I wrote that in my notes. I just have Freud in all caps, question mark, question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I felt kind of stupid because originally I was going to make fun of the Freudian aspect. And then it like tried to have his cake and eat it too. Because the full quote is, the iris tattoo is a especially nice touch. Tying him in with my father and how horribly I missed him. Woof. And I was like, oh, oh, oh Freud, that's hilarious. That's so, how did, and then it said, Freud would have, would have, would have had a field day with this. I'm like, okay, that's clearly not Hilary Duff adding that in. Yeah. Because Hilary Duff wrote this unironically. And then the co-writer, the ghostwriter came in and was like, we need to address this. Yeah. Because that is not a Hilary Duff line. Man, some, some fucking wasp shit indeed, you know, it's in keeping with the characters. How old would Hillary Duff have been when this was being written or came out or whatever? She was in her in her early 20s when she was writing this. If she started late in the decade. <laughs> Sick. Huh. Good for her. Okay. Because she was born, I believe, around 1989. Okay. Let's double check this right now. So she was born 1987. She's 33 now. So. It would have been almost 10 years ago. So yeah. 23. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know why I pictured, like... Wow, I was fucked up when I was 23. <laughs> I don't know why I pictured, like, a 14-year-old sitting at her computer, like, writing an idea for this. <laughs> because it has those exact vibes. Because I think she did write this as a teenager, and then she didn't know what to do with it, and then she brought it to a professional writer to, like, fix it. Yeah, some of this feels like a Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven way, a little bit, you know? <laughs> exactly. And it was dot, 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 Snape. The co-writer... Yeah, it's written in the front. It's only place you can find this is in like the third, the third page in if you have a physical copy. Yeah, let me whip with, this out. With, not and, but with Elise Allen. Mm -hmm. uh, who, if you look at her filmography, wrote a lot of Barbie movies. Barbie movies? Do you think those pay like a lot? I think you make a lot of money off I think those. it pays the bills. Yeah. Respectable. It pays the bills. Yeah. It's a job. So that's like that's a question we ask ourselves every every episode of this podcast is how much of this did she write? None of it. Because I think a lot of the story, I think it's from her idea, but actual writing itself, I don't think she did the prose. Yeah, I feel like this was pitched as like, hey, let's do a YA novel. Let's have Hillary Duff's name attached. She can have some ideas, and then we'll just get someone else to write it. Like I feel like yeah, that's... I feel like she threw some keywords out there. And that's all she contributed. And then she was like, peace, you guys got this from here. See ya. <laughs> I think it's time for lesbians. Oh, yeah. Our segment about is. lesbians. Here we go, lesbians. Here we go, lesbians. Come on. Let's go. Let's go, lesbians. I have some highlights here. So, Serena, just so you know, <clears throat> we think that Reyna and Clea are in love with each other. But they repress it. Okay, wait, have they been, heteronormativity? they've been friends for a long time? Their, their moms were pregnant together. Oh, that's right. You said that. You said that. Okay. So since in utero, they've been besties. So I've highlighted every single moment of this that I interpreted as part of the gay subtext. Okay. And I like feedback on any any thoughts on that. So, um... Give me a page. No, I'm sorry. Before we get to that, I got to talk about one thing here. <laughs> yeah. She, she's freaking out. After she sees that she takes a photo of her closet and the man's in it. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, how it starts, right? Person. She's like, she's freaking out yes. at her. Like, and then she's like, something. I need to calm down. Right. 
I'm going to put on something innocuous to help me fall asleep. I'm going to put on the food, channel, the food Network. Okay, that's insane. Triple D, diners, diners, and dives with my boy Guy Fieri. I don't know how you can watch Food Network and not become hungry. I don't know how you can feel sleepy watching Food Network. I feel alive, I feel hungry, and I feel ready to go. I'm yelling at Chopped like it's a, it's a fucking football game. I'm like screaming at the TV. <laughs> Like, no, you idiot. Don't make an ice cream on this show. You know that never goes well. <laughs> never. I'm always yelling that fondant sucks and no one should ever have it on their, on their cakes. It's disgusting, yeah. <laughs> Just get good with buttercream, bitch. I got so angry reading this. I got so angry reading that she fell asleep the Food Network because I don't know how any human being can do that. And she does mention wakes up. I'm hungry. I have no idea why. Bitch, it's because you watch Food Network before falling asleep. <laughs> Man, I, my ass would be like sleepwalking to the fridge and just, just go. Yeah, to that's town. why Peary's freaking out. Uh, no, I was once on a plane. Okay, from this is a long plane flight. I believe it was either L.A. to Hawaii or or Dallas to Hawaii. Some or probably Phoenix to Hawaii. Anyway, so they have like the movies they show. Right, so they show two movies and they showed a bunch of TV shows. And they put on Food Network towards the end of this flight, which I think is the cruelest thing. Because it's not like I can really order food or make anything there. <laughs> no. with. I have to watch delicious food on the screen while I digest my little charcuterie little platter <laughs> of cheese and crackers and little meats and my little box of Pringles that I bought. <laughs> and just Beautiful. suffer while I wait for the next hour until I can buy food. <laughs> it's evil. <laughs> Lovely. Rip. Yeah. Those Lunchables. You know what? I still buy and eat Lunchables. <laughs> Charcuterie. It's the adult Lunchables. boards. <laughs> yeah, I wrote Food Network. Perfect. I said, no, it's not. Bitch, you get hungry. <laughs> Plain story. I don't really want to go into the gay subtext, to be honest, because I think it was a little bit too few and far between. Like, she watched TiVo with her. She laughs with her. It was so brief. Um, yeah, I didn't even write anything down. Raina kind of just, like, jokes about her getting with Ben and is like, and is like, oh, no. Okay, I want to talk about this part. She's like, who is he and why haven't you told me about him? Like, I was getting major, like, I'm in love with you vibes there. Uh, she gasped and smacked my arm. Oh, my God. <laughs> you loser, she said at the end of her little <laughs> thing, explaining that it's Ben. Incredible. And then she, like, calls her a liar and then she's like, you need you need a boyfriend. She's like, I don't need a boyfriend. She raised an eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was her waiting for her to realize that maybe you should have a girlfriend. Maybe. Oh. Am I wrong? <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I think you're extremely right. And you should say it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Let's talk about the rest of the book. Do we have to? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I'm. I, I I love talking to both of you, but I don't like talking about this chapter. This chapter is pretty. No, I mean I really like the cheesy 1920s flashbacks. I'm sorry, I kind of I oh, dig them. They're so campy and fun. We didn't get into the other dreams. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm fucking up here. So there is Delia, who is the 1920s Chicago. There's Abraham Annaline. Lincoln and a and a Annaline. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> there is Olivia in Renaissance Italy, trying to perfect watercolor technique. By painting the man I loved and his best friend Giovanni. Yes. <laughs> and they couldn't love each other, right? Uh, I wrote gay. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and there's Catherine in rural England racing bareback throughout the countryside. Gay. <laughs> gay, exactly. 
And other nights, Annaline, Annaline? Annaline. How does it sound in the book? Annaline swept me onto France's finest 19th century stages, or Delia whisked, <laughs> whisked me to Prohibition era Chicago. Those are the four women she's been. Those are her past lives. It rules. Okay. What are some other uh, other past lives she had? I guess is the prompt I have for you guys. Oh my god! What other like dreams did you want to see? Eighties girl boss snorting cocaine in the office and like <laughs> trading stocks and shit. And has a heart attack while having an affair in the office on coke. Yes. When the stock market is crashing. Yes. Totally. Yes. That's excellent. <laughs> Serena, do you have any suggestions for another past life of, oh, of that Kalea would have? I'm thinking like all the way back to like cavemen times something like that Yo. she's like hunting and scavenging describe the dream Ooh, and who is he it's very, who is he in this it's dream very animalistic the guy from like the old geico commercials you know yes <laughs> nick crawl <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just mono mono how do you say the word where it's like one syllable mono syllable you know the word monosymbolic is that what it is i don't know Monosymbolic? It's funny that's not a one simple word. Hey, yeah, that's, a, that's kind of ironic. Yeah, but it's just like grunting back and forth, communicating full thoughts in as few noises as possible. Man, take me back. <laughs> no phones, just vibes. I really want to hear about the time when she was in Salem, <gasps> being accused of being a witch oh. and being held on trial for talking about her dreams that she had. Yeah. And that the man in this is like the John Proctor type, right? He's the well-to-do <laughs> in the area. It's basically, I just yeah, want to see the crucible gone. again. I just want to read the crucible. I, yeah. I don't fuck this book. Let me read the crucible again. Yeah. Let's just watch the crucible and read the play. All that good what stuff. Vibe. Yeah. We're not a writer. I saw yes. um, the Crucible on Broadway. I'm gonna oh. be that guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat the rich myself here. Yeah. I saw it on Broadway. It was fantastic because it was Sir Sharonin. <gasps> oh my goodness. And Ben Wishaw. Is that the voice ben of Ben Wishaw as John Proctor. Yes, but he's uh, very sexy. Have you pink. seen Cloud Atlas? Uh, tall, tall. Sh- Google him right now. He, yeah. He's very cute. Ben Wishaw uh, he, and Cloud Atlas. And so Atlas. they're together, and then also like. And then Philip Glass did the music. He did oh, like original sick. score for the show. And there was a live wolf that was on stage for like a couple <gasps> little scene That's transitions. Sick. As I like a symbolic that. thing. It was so cool. Cause they then they made the choice to actually have magic within the show. But like have it in very isolated sections. Hmm. Um to like add depth to it. It was I I Sarah Sherman's eyes like pierce you. Like just like the mystery man in this book. I'm gonna bring it back to Elixir real quick. It like <laughs> pierces your soul. Like I was sitting there, like in the middle, and I felt like she was staring right into my soul. Like very bright blue, like eyes. Whoa. Amazing. That's awesome. Um, one time I saw uh, Avengers Endgame without having seen any Marvel movie ever. That's so and, brave. You're so brave. And I had a wild time. <laughs> and it, that kind of felt like being at a Broadway show in its own way. Yeah, for sure. We're going to cut that. <laughs> We're going to cut that from the you podcast. You can't cut anything from me, Dan. I will speak my truth. Uh, what do we think happens for the rest of the book? Uh, anyone, this is free game. So she's going to go to Brazil, right? That's going to happen. Was that determined? Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. About? I, I forgot to address that in the summary. 
Oh god, the horrible racist part. Yeah, because she's invited to Brazil for this assignment while she's playing reason. board games with Ben. <laughs> uh, and she's like, I have to go because my dad so- has a secret second family. <laughs> <there."> <laughs> mood. What a mood. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> So she's going to go to Brazil. Oh, I can't figure out if there's like a supernatural element to this or if it's all just purely like mental, mental games or like, I don't know. Oh, yes, it's supernatural because she takes photos and in each photo, this man shows up when she was on her trip in Italy or whatever. Has anyone else Even seen photo... the photos? Is she the only one seeing these photos? So far. So she yeah. could be imagining. That's what I'm right. also thinking is... Oh, it's some sort of subconscious. But the end of the chapter, like, which Al did not get to, was where Ben was like, it. feels like he knows about this. Wait, that was in the chapter? I think this is the reason they hired Ben. It's not because of his bodyguard being hot, but because he he did he got his PhD in studying these phenomenon, and the parents know about it and want to keep her from, from indulging in it. Oh, wait, he got his PhD in studying phenomenons? He, I don't fucking let me look. He got his PhD oh, in okay. something stupid. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah, that could be too. But yeah, part of me kind of wants to read the rest of the book, guys. Part of me kind of wants to read the rest of the book just to find out what happens. Do but... it. Do it, and then listen to the podcast. And listen <laughs> to us. Read it once every one chapter per week, and you'll be like, "Oh shit, they don't know about this. <laughs> they don't even know about this." Yeah, it seems like a quick read. I have a list of actual books to read. I can't do this. Ooh. World history and mythology. World history. I'm calling oh, it. He knows about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. You should write that down because you don't want to forget that you called it. Yeah. The- That's what the part of this podcast, I'm calling it. <laughs> ben is involved. Also, I kind of read the back of the book, so I kind of know this now. I think there's a love triangle between Ben and the mysterious mystery man. Oh my god, well I'm gonna ship Ben and the Mystery Man. <laughs> Just this cloud of Full smoke. Full love triangle. And Ben, yeah. That's right, Raina Complete, with Clea. Yeah. And Ben with the Mystery Man. Exactly. I yeah. love it. I think Globo Absolutely reaches Scientology. I think it's just Scientology. What do you think Dad is? What's up with Dad? He's David Miscavige. And I think <laughs> that he's scamming people and... You know what? I think it's like because this is it. Maybe this is Hillary Duff's involvement. No, but celebrities love Scientology, so maybe this is who this book is written for because it's about the one percent. Mm. Think about it. Wait, I forgot else... what I was talking about midway through that sentence. Sorry. <laughs> something else to keep in mind. This is a series, right? This is just oh, the yeah. first. It's a trilogy. Of one. So we might not even figure out. I feel like it's going to end on a cliffhanger. And then, I don't know, we'll have to read the other two books. That's how they get you. That's how they get you to buy three books instead of one book. And that's capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of this whole podcast was, I believe it was another chapter, episode one or episode two, where the reveal happened, where Al found out while recording that there was more than one book. I was so, (laughs) I was devastated, but also morbidly curious. (laughs) I was like, no, there's more of this. And I was like, well, you know what? Are you guys going to read them? It's the bit. You have to read them, I, right? Yeah, we're in it. You know, I we're gave in. my word, so I have to. It's my honor yeah. on the line. Uh, Serena, if you were to guess who voices, who narrates the audiobook, who, who <laughs> oh, would your no. guess be? <laughs> oh, is it like, is it someone relevant or is it just a random? 
it's a random prolific audiobook reader and it's not Hilary Duff which is why I bought the audiobook and I was so disappointed except our queen Julia Waitland does a fantastic job but you know it's just very jarring that she's not Hilary Duff (laughs) it's fucked up it is weird it's fucked up I'll say it (laughs) Uh, yeah it is fucked up I have two more segments in mind before my brain completely fries Let's just go through it. Mine's been scrambled eggs. This Mine's whole time. already really scrambled. I don't know why. I think I'm allergic to something. I keep in this forgetting house. what we're talking about. <laughs> so first things first. Uh, think about your book. You want to recommend a little bit, Serena. But I want to talk about our correction to Hillary Duff, right? Um, or to Hillary Duff, right? So what I'm going to ask you as our guest is, what is your connection to Hillary Duff? What is like? What comes to mind first when we think about Hillary Duff? Um, just general, your connections, pop culture wise, childhood wise, nostalgia wise. Um, yeah. So I feel like the obvious answers are Lizzie McGuire and the Lizzie McGuire movie. Yes. Those are the correct okay. answers. Good. Yeah, those, are, <laughs> those are the correct answers. Yeah. I, oh, I love the Lizzie McGuire movie. That shit rips. It's so good. So you're, you're a fan of Hillary Duff. You're a fan of, of yeah, her acting I feel and, like, and her performance. Yeah. I, I think she's like minded her business and she didn't really have Absolutely. a crazy like yeah she didn't go off and do anything you know too bonkers which if you do and you're a child star like it's understandable and it's fine but i, I kind of like, love the child stars that did all i'm sorry they like really have a special place in my heart i'm just, I'm just like i'm yeah i'm like yeah they go went the off. fuck off queen do yeah they went off. shave yeah. your fucking head i might too yes like <laughs> Yeah, and she had a lot of beef with Lindsay Lohan, which is interesting. Oh. We'll, we'll get into that later episode. Interesting. But, she, but Lindsay Lohan's boyfriend in Freaky Friday, you know who that actor is? Wait, Chad Michael Chad Murray. Chad Michael yeah. Murray. King. Chad Michael Murray, who then was Hilary Duff's boyfriend mm. in A Cinderella You're Story. You're so right. Damn. You're so right. Ooh. There is some beef between Hilary Duff and Lindsay Lohan in I didn't realize that. Dang. I don't know what. Okay, so Chad Michael Murray. If I was, someone asked me to conjure an image of him in my mind's eye, I would not be able to do it. And every time I say that, someone shows me his picture and I'm like, this is the most generic white man I've ever seen. And like, I'm a white person, but I still just like forget what he looks like. And I'm just, you could show me any picture of any white man. And I'd be like, that's Chad Michael Murray, right? He's definitely an amalgamation. What is his distinguishing feature? Yeah. He's an amalgamation of every white man that has ever existed. It's so funny you say this because he's in the movie Fruitvale Station, which is a very good movie. And I remember I saw it with my family, and afterwards we saw the credits, and we're like, Chad Michael Murray was in this? He like <laughs> was on the screen. He was he was he played the policeman who um, did the horrible thing at ACAP. And uh then he like you don't recognize him. Because again, he's a, he's an amalgamation, whatever you say that net word sure. of white men. Yeah. Which I am one, so I yeah, yeah, I vibe. I don't know. Little me, though, like, thought he was so cute in um, a Cinderella story. Yeah, and he's now, very bashful. Yeah. Now I think he's cuter in Freaky Friday because he has his, like, greasy hair and he's, like, all rock and roll dude. But That's right. Yeah. We, we <laughs> no, what, what is what is it again? Uh, Cinderella story, Michael Murray in the streets. <laughs> Freaky Friday, <laughs> trying Michael Murray in the sheets. Nice. <laughs> what? Respectable. <laughs> respectable i'm gonna google to make sure he's not underage before you put in that i really hope he wasn't underage 
in otherwise i'm gonna have to cut that bit. are you gonna leave this in the podcast he was born in 81 yes <laughs> he's he was so 22 old. yeah <laughs> Yeah, okay. that's staying 40. in. Yeah, that's staying he's in. He was 40. 22. He's a cutie. Oh my god, <laughs> y'all! Well, but have you <laughs> talked to a 20 year old in person? They are basically babies still. It's true. Listen, when bar, you know, before the before in the before times, you know, every once in a while, I would go to like the trashy college bars around here because I was broke and because. uh Dudes and like dudes in their early twenties would just like buy you shit, and I'm like, I don't want to drink. Can you get me cheese fries? And they would just buy you cheese fries. And it's like <laughs> they're so dumb. And when you talk to them, your brain kind of melts a little bit because you're like, oh, you haven't experienced much of life, have you? Kind of kills it for me, even fictionally. <laughs> Very fair. I mean, and I mean, like that's what. I always say like 22 year olds and 23 year olds, uh, no offense to them, but you're at, you're like the hot mess of your life. Like that's the most oh, hot mess you so can have messy. because not oh, only are you messy, because you know, eighth graders mess. are messy, yeah, high schoolers are messy, but you also have the access adult has to all the things around you could fuck up too. Like you, you have so much so more true. responsibility as well on top of it's it. Whole, yeah. It's, it's the perfect storm and like, enjoy it. <laughs> that's right. Ride that way. On that note. <laughs> Right in that wave. On that note, I have just one more thing in my brain cells uh, to to talk about and to bring up, and that's uh, recommend an actual good book. All right. So, Serena, um, what is a good book in your mind? One that you recommend that our listeners read instead of Elixir by Hilary Duff, the 2010 Simon and Schuster New York Times bestseller. Um. So the first one that popped into my mind because I read it somewhat recently, Lust for Life by Irving Stone. Um, it's like about Vincent van Gogh. It's like the novelization, like it's one of those, like the novelization slash like biography of his life. Um, and that's pretty cool. So if you're into that kind of stuff, I recommend also again, first thing that popped into my mind because I read it pretty recently. So there's that. Nice. Well, it's a book and it's not this book, which is all I ask for our guests to share. That's true. (laughs) Excellent. Lust for Life? Mm-hmm. By Irving Stone. Lust for Life. That, that's the, that, like the song, right? Sure. The, the Royal Caribbean Cruises commercial <laughs> theme song? Oh, oh, I don't know. It might be. <laughs> or Carnival. <laughs> Lust for Life. I don't know. Yeah, go off. That's all I got. Uh, next episode, we'll be talking about Chapter 4. Uh and how Globo reaches Scientology. Yes, and how Ben was hired uh, to be her boyfriend because he knows about the past life supernatural bullshit. And how one of her past lives is fucking Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> That's right, with the top hat. With the top with hat the top on. Hat. Uh, last chance, anything you want to uh, plug anyone? Um, if anyone out there is willing to give me a lobotomy, hit me up. <laughs> You can email the podcast at Cinderella Stories of the Z <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> it's in the show notes along with our Twitter, which is at Cindy Stories again with a Z, um, where we just do a lot of more shit we do on this podcast. Again, do not read this book. Do not buy this book. If you want to, feel free. But uh, we're reading it, so you don't have to. Just tell, just text me, and I'll text you just an excerpt of the audiobook at random. <laughs> And that's all you need. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and my Venmo, that is kidding. 
Alyssa Grande. Alyssa Grande. <laughs> which makes no sense because we never talked about that. <laughs> we didn't need to, Dan. We didn't need to. Just really quickly, I'm going to edit this in. By the way, Alyssa Grande is the fake name that the Clay character gives herself. It's because her nepotism gets her all these jobs, but she wants to get jobs in her own right based on her work. So she creates this fake name, Alyssa Grande, which means uh, deeper truth or greater <laughs> truth. Um, that's what it stands for. And it's also Grande, a great big, value Alyssa brand, truth. Ariana Grande. <laughs> exactly. This came out in 2010. So maybe she was watching a lot of her on, uh, on the TV. She was watching a lot of Victorious. I wouldn't put it past her. Yeah. But, Good for I her. Mean, yeah. Holy. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I think she did know about Ariana Grande and it made its way into this. Thank God. <laughs> um, here's my plug. Listen to Ariana Grande's, uh, all her discography, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I think Sweetener is her best work. Nice. Um, but feel free to listen to literally anything by Ariana Grande. I highly recommend it. Uh, Thank You Next is the best song ever made. Um, Strong words. Sorry. Thank You Next is the best album. Sweetener is also good. All right. That's all I have to say. Let's actually end this episode. Cue the music, which we don't have. <laughs> Whoops. Before you go away, go away, go away, wait. This one's over, let it go and subscribe. Next episode comes next Sunday or next Monday. Please go rate our podcast on iTunes today. Don't log off, please just go and please follow our Twitter. Till next Sunday or next Monday. Haven't you told a friend? Check us out today. Okay. Grande, large.